So we're starting a new series. Let's see if this works. Okay, we're doing a new series, and it's titled Almost. Now, for many of us, there are a few things in our lives that we find ourselves thinking, I'm almost there. For some of you, you're thinking, okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost at retirement, right? I've almost have a positive bank balance, And we ask ourselves these questions, we kind of roll around in the back of our mind, and you kind of go, okay, really, what is it that makes a happy life? What is it that makes a job a dream job? What is it that makes a house better? Is it bigger? Is it something inside? What is it that makes a relationship enriching? Is it because they buy you gifts? What is it? But I think something's at play here that we need to recognize. Uh, We have a tendency to be wanting more. In fact, I don't know anyone that that gets up from a meal a few hours later that doesn't go, I'm hungry. Right? We always are hungering for the next thing. It could be in our jobs. It could be in our relationships. It could be in even at the table. Right? But here's the thing. We get frustrated. Because no matter what we take in, it never seems to satisfy because that hunger comes back once more. But we continue to tell ourselves, we're almost there, almost there. We almost have enough stuff. We almost have enough things. We almost have enough things for, for our life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through, and today we're going to talk about we're almost there in our quest for fame, okay? Now, if you want to go ahead and check out, I understand, but it actually applies to you, okay? We're almost perfect. We've almost found perfection. We've, uh, we're almost accepted. We're almost comfortable. These are the things that we're going to be talking about, our quest for all of those things, perfection, acceptance, being comfortable. And as we're talking today about our pursuit for uh, fame, some of you are just going to go, okay, well, at least this first series doesn't apply to me. This first message doesn't apply because we all know that I will never be famous, right? And as we walk through this, I want you to walk through it with me with an open mind. You don't really get a free pass this Sunday. So if you thought you were, I'd say not, not so fast, okay? Most of us are trying to become famous, but not like getting a movie deal kind of famous. Because all of us from time to time struggle with that desire to be famous, to be known. We crave fame. We want to be known. We want, when we walk into a room, for somebody to know our name. When we walk into a room, we want someone to express love towards us. We want to walk into a room and be accepted. And as I said that, you know what came to mind? Cheers. <laughs> so that's free, okay? Uh, we like to know that we are going to be accepted. Now, see, this this struggle for fame, this struggle for more to be known, to be widely accepted, to be widely known, it it, it just kind of creeps in. And it shows up in some really small places in our lives. 
just in those small things that we just want to be part of a group. We want to jump in. We want, we want things to happen. We want people to like us. So what do we do? We overcommit. We say, yes, absolutely, I'd love to watch your dog. Yes, absolutely, while I'm watching your dog, I'll paint your house. Absolutely. <laughs> we say yes to things that we, do, that we really should say no to. It's because we don't want to let anyone down. Because we want to be liked. We want to be liked by everybody. So we overcommit. We put ourselves out there and we say yes, 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 until we found out that we've been saying no to our own families. We've been saying no to our relationship with God, but we overcommit. Or this way, we, we want credit. We want someone to recognize the effort that we put in in our job. We want someone to recognize that that project wouldn't have been completed if it wasn't for our input. We want credit. Listen, I don't know if you know this, but I give. I give. And we want credit for it. I serve. I serve. Would you recognize me? Because I give. I serve. I put in the time. We want credit for this one. We're overly sensitive to criticism. Now, you may think that's not necessarily a, an issue of seeking fame, but it's about us going, oh my goodness, <laughs> I can't handle rejection. You may have somebody tell you a hundred times over that what you did, you did well, that you knocked it out of the park, that, that you were kind, that you did everything that you should do, but you had that one negative comment. And it sends your head spinning. Have you been there? We have this tendency to be sensitive to the things that make us feel like we're not accepted. So that's the rise of things in our culture that honestly, we don't even know how this thing is going to play out. We're in the middle of this biggest social experiment of the entire century, right? We have social media that is helping to move us through our days to tell us what we like, what we don't like, how we should be, what we shouldn't be, whether we have curated ourselves well enough for others to hit that like button or comment on a post or to say something positive. Social media is maybe partially to blame, but it just highlights something else that's going on in our lives already. We have this tendency to, to focus things on us. And we crave the likes. We get like for like, right? We curate our persona online. We curate what people see. We take a hundred pictures just to put one up, but if it doesn't get enough comments, we take it back down. We post and we put things out to curate this idea of a perfect life or this idea where people will just say, listen, it's not that bad. I like you anyway. We do it over and over 
again. Now, maybe you say, listen, that's not me. I don't have a social media account. Okay, great. I'm very glad for you. Sometimes I wish that were me. Maybe you're not trying to be known. Maybe you're not trying to be accepted. Maybe you're not trying to be accepted by your peers. But I want you to know something. Your kids may be. Or someone that's very close to you may be. You may have some people in your life that are, are chasing after, struggling after this, this whole idea of pursuing the, the opportunity to be known broadly, to be accepted broadly, because no one wants to be alone. Now listen, here's, here's how it went when I was a kid. Now, I never chose to be the sidekick. So here's the question. Do you choose to play the hero or the sidekick? Now, I have an older brother, which meant that I was the sidekick every single time, right? For whatever reason, older means hero. No, right? But here's the thing. When you dream as a kid, when you sit there and you go out and you pretend or you imagine the scenario, you're not placing your your self in a role where you are insignificant, you place yourself in a role where you are significant, where people count on you, where they expect good things from you. When you're a kid, that's exactly what you want. And as we grow up, sometimes we grow out of it because the world has jaded us a little bit, so we don't expect anything good. But the problem in all of this is that we are then Focusing completely on ourselves. How will people respond to me? What will they do? What will they say? How will they be accepting of me? When you're a kid, you don't dream about being well-known for your job, right? I don't know if you know this, but I can crunch data with the best of them. I can do a process, a thousand sheet spreadsheet, no problem. I do taxes, right? I mean, who, who brags about that? I'm sorry for anybody that does taxes. <laughs> but we tend to want to be well known for our skills, for our talents, for our job. So here's what they did. You know, people like to do surveys of all kinds of things. They, they do surveys just asking people random questions, but they did this survey of, of kids that are 10 to 12 years old, and they, they asked them, hey, listen, uh, if you were to, to, to tell us what your biggest goal is, what do you think they said? Do you think they said, when I grow up, I want to have a fully, vest, invest, fully vested financial portfolio? They didn't say that they wanted financial security. They didn't say that I want to be known for that kid that always made straight A's or had perfect attendance. They said that they wanted to be famous. They wanted to be known by others. They wanted to be famous. Not just marginally famous, not just my mom says I can sing well famous, right? They wanted people to know them who they would never know. It's not just that. That's 10 to 12 year olds. How many of you in here are in the ages of 22 to 37? <laughs> we have a, a 12 year old raising his hand. 
<laughs> so here's the funny thing about the, the people that are ages 22 to 37. 50% of them surveyed, 50% of them surveyed said that they believe that their life should be made into a, into a movie. Yeah, I think really people need to benefit from the story of me. <laughs> Can you imagine watching a movie about you in your 20s? How many wants to watch that? Not many. Because we're not we're like, well, we don't want to replay that. That was a train wreck. But here's the thing. This quest for fame is pretty big because there are people that said, you know what? One in 12 people said that they would disown their family in order to be a household name. They would say, I'll walk away from my family if I was just a household name. Not like Procter & Gamble or something like that. I mean, but, you know, like Tom Cruise or any really cool new actor, whoever they are. Um, one in nine you know what they said? I would give up the chance to be married to be famous. To spend my life married to someone I love, I would give it up in order to be famous. What's more, one in six. One in six said they would give up having kids in order to be famous. Now, given the day and given whose children you've been around, you'd be like, I get it. <laughs> Absolutely, I would give it up too. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. We have all of these things in our lives that we would give up in order for people to know us, for us to be known, to be accepted. And this quest for fame, I think, is probably more relevant in our culture today than ever before. Because it used to be, it used to be when you became famous, it was because you actually did something right? You, I don't know, walked on the moon. You were a well-known movie star. You had done something huge that had changed the trajectory of a community, of the state, of a country. But today, today you can become famous by doing absolutely nothing. Now, I want you to know right now that what I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with being famous. There's absolutely not one thing wrong with people knowing who you are, with you having a job where you entertain people in movies. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, so don't hear that. There's nothing wrong with being famous. It's just the pursuit of it that gets us all mixed up. Used to. To be famous, you had to excel in one, at least one field, right? You had to be the best in a profession. You had to be like an Olympian multiple times over. You had to be somebody that cracked the code or that was a Nobel-winning you know, Nobel scientist or philosopher. You had to make a difference with your skills, with your talents. You had to bring opportunities before people. And in those cases, like you're, you're a wonderful athlete, you, everything you do on the field is amazing and people watch you in awe of your skill. Every single one of those things, it's almost as if fame is absolutely unavoidable. And people will find themselves in a position of being famous because of something that they've done. 
Not infamous, though, right? Some people are famous because of their obedience. And some people are famous because of their obedience to God, like David. David, in 1 Chronicles, we find David that, that he was made famous because of the things that he had done. If you don't know who David is, David was a king in the Old Testament of the Bible. And he was the one, if you're familiar with David and Goliath, he was the, the young man that came and he, he slung a rock at a giant and knocked him down and, and, and took his head off, right? And because of his dedication and obedience to the Lord, when no one else wanted to obey God, God put him in different situations, and eventually God set him aside, or before that, God had set him aside as the next king after a reigning king. Now, David, he did amazing things. He did all kinds of conquests, and he followed after, did the things that God and his king wanted him to do. And it says, the scripture says this in 1 Chronicles chapter 14, David did as God commanded him. And it talks about some things that David did. And the fame of David went into all the lands. David did as God commanded, and the fame of David went out into all the lands. And the Lord brought him, brought the fear of him upon all nations. God said, David, I'm going to take you. You be obedient to me, and there will be no one that will rise up against you. Your name will be known, and they will fear you because you obey me. So one may argue that God actually made David famous. Another Old Testament biblical king was Solomon. Solomon was given kind of like this genie in the lamp kind of an opportunity. God said, listen, Solomon, I'll give you anything that you want. You just name it. And Solomon said, I want wisdom. And God, pleased with that answer, said, because you asked for wisdom, I will also give you fame and riches. You could also argue that maybe Jesus was famous. No matter where he went, crowds followed. No matter where he went, there was a lot of scuttle about who he was and what he was doing and the things he was saying. So Jesus, everywhere he went, he was well known. And so again, I want you to know that there's nothing wrong with being famous. There's nothing wrong with fame. It's that the pursuit of fame is hazardous to your faith. Setting everything aside and pursuing fame above all others means that you've taken your attention away from God. Now, we can insert anything into that statement. The pursuit of food is hazardous to your faith, right? The pursuit of money, the pursuit of a dream, job, the pursuit of all kinds of things can be hazards to our faith if we are chasing only after those things because our attention is only on what's in front of us. We need to understand that anything that takes our focus off of God is hazardous, absolutely hazardous to our faith because it takes our focus away from God and it takes our focus away from others and it puts our focus solely on ourselves. And I don't know if you understand this or not, but here's the thing. When you're focused on yourself, you cannot be focused on God.
as we find that our opportunity for fame has changed significantly, the accessibility to fame, I don't know if you know this, okay? Um, you can become famous because you smell bread. There's a YouTube lady that, well, she actually rolls her face in bread. It's kind of weird. Um, you can be famous because of the content that you produce. You could be a singer, right, and, and put content up, and it's because you're a good singer, or it could be because you're a bad singer. It could be good content, bad content. You could open toys on a video and make hundreds of thousands of dollars. You can play a video game. It doesn't matter what you're doing because in this market of social media, all of a sudden fame is so easily accessible, but it also leaves as quickly as it came. Anybody remember the song Friday? <laughs> Just a few hands, you're like, yeah, it was a horrible song back in 2007. Okay, it was just a, a teenage girl, made a video, put it online, and it caught fire. We can become famous doing just about anything. Singing offbeat songs, put, get put right in the middle of fame. Somebody takes a picture, there's a, there's a picture of a, of a young man that was selling coffee at the beginning of the morning, he had like a couple hundred followers on Instagram. By the end of the day, he had over 200,000 followers. Just because someone said, hey, check out this picture of this guy. And then all of a sudden, he becomes famous. And it, there's story after story after story of things like that. It's from one-hit wonders to entire companies there's some companies that were launched out of a social media account that became something that is very well known. And it's all because somebody took a chance and uploaded something to social media. So let me ask you a question. If you are in elementary school, middle school, high school, college, or even late in your years, and you have something that you think is interesting, and you think someone else would agree with it, would you post it? If you thought, who knows, one click, instant fame, would you do it? If we're honest, most of us would go, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Even if I said, I don't want the fame, <laughs> I, I don't want the fame, <laughs> right? Don't like my stuff, right? What if that next video, what if that next thing that you posted became the thing, the key that unlocked your fame? You keep doing it and you chase after it until creating content be became more important to you than other things in life. Because people pay to watch videos. I mean, you get paid if people watch your videos. If you manage it well, it creates a career for you. Fame's not wrong. What we get out of it can be. What links will you go to in order to keep your popularity, in order to keep your fame? What links will you go in order to maintain a platform that you have? 
Will you give in in areas of character and integrity? But here's the thing. Sometimes we're given an opportunity, given a platform so that we can make a difference with it. It all matters what you do with it. It may be small cravings that you have. That, you know, I just want to be known in my small circle. I, I want to be known outside my, my family and my friends. I want to be kind of popular in school. I just want somebody to recognize my accomplishment. We have these little places where we say, I want to be noticed. And when that's all we focus on, it draws us away from Jesus. It draws us away from others. And it turns all of our focus on to ourselves. Now, I think in the scriptures, there's one person that personifies the right response to fame, to gaining notoriety. His name was John the Baptist. This was a guy that you would say, you know what, he's a little off kilter, he's a little bit different, and I'm surely confused as to why he's famous. People thought he was a little crazy, he had the the animal skin uh, clothing, he had wild hair, he ate locusts and honey, and he said some things about the kingdom of God, he said some things about repentance, he said some, some things about Messiah, and he said all of these things, and people were drawn to him, he drew a great following. Jump in with me. John chapter 3. This is the account of John the Baptist and Jesus. After this, Jesus and his disciples went to the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. So they come to the body of water, and they are both baptizing people. John was there baptizing He was also baptizing near Salim because the water was plentiful there. You can't baptize without water. And people were coming to be baptized because John hadn't yet been put in prison. So a discussion then breaks out. The people that are there with John hear the message that John is saying, and they're saying, John, You're talking about being pure. You're talking about being refined. You're talking about, uh, about, about us being renewed. You're baptizing us so that we would, would live our lives afresh. And these same people looked across and they, they saw that Jesus was over there and that there were many more people coming to Jesus. Scripture says in verse 25, now, A discussion arose between John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing and all are going to him. Hey, John, I don't know if you noticed, but your platform is shrinking. John, I don't know if you noticed, but people unfollowed you. John, you're going to have to produce some fresh content here because somebody else is doing the same thing. And John, here's how he answered. Listen, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. John said, listen, whatever I have, it's because God gave it. And that in its, in its one statement is good enough for a sermon, right? The only thing I have is because God has given it. And he says, you yourselves bore witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I'm not the one that I'm talking about anyway, but I have been sent before him. 
The one, John says, who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hear him, hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. He says, listen, it's okay because God gives in this person that is gaining in popularity, this person that you are concerned about is the very one I've been calling out about and I rejoice that people are going to him, that they hear his voice and they gather and they're no longer listening to me. And John says, therefore, this joy of mine is then complete. And then he says what we're focusing on. He must increase, but I must decrease. John points us to the most important lesson that we can learn in understanding when we are chasing after things. What's your motive? What's your motive? Because it would be real easy for us to build on someone else's story. Think about John. I mean, John could have done something pretty significant. He could have continued to point people to Jesus, but said, hey, have you noticed my line of John the Baptist dolls? Go ahead and get one. They're only $5.95, right? He could have said, you know, listen, I'm, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm related to Jesus, and so um, I have a book if you want to read about growing up with Jesus, Right? He could have used every bit of the notoriety that he had pointing the way to Jesus and then jumped on the coattails of it and said, hey, by the way, don't forget about me. Don't forget about my contribution. Don't forget that I'm the one that said, I think you should prepare the way for the Lord. Repent and be baptized, each and every one of you, for your sins. No, John said, listen, there's one that's coming that I can't even untie his shoes. And he must increase. And I need to fade away into the background. So we need to ask ourselves in our pursuits, what's our motivation? I think there's two questions that'll help us understand. The first one is, who are you representing And the second one is, whose approval matters most? So let's go ahead and tackle that first question. Who are you representing really? Okay, since we're at church, let's go ahead and get the church answer out of the way. What's the church answer? Jesus, right? Or it was Moses, or read your Bible, or um, prayer, or, right? It's church answers. Who are you representing? In your pursuits, who are you representing? Really. We want to say that everything that we encounter, we are showing that we are representing Christ, but that's not true. Who are we representing when we're looking for credit on how we served? When we're looking for recognition on how we gave? where we're wanting people to say, thank you so much for all of your good deeds, for your giving, for your service, for your developing supports and doing all of the things that you do. When we are wanting that for ourselves, we are taking the spotlight off of Christ and we're putting it right 
back on ourselves. So when we do the things that we do, who are we representing? What focus are we putting on ourselves? Are we saying, look at me? but you don't know the struggles I've been through, so look at me and and commiserate with me in my struggles because I've struggled so much. And we point everything to ourselves. And we forget that we represent. We represent the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As followers of Jesus, this question is one that we should take very seriously. What is our representation? Our representation. Is our representation of Jesus like a jacket that we put on when it's convenient and we take off when we want to? Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, that we are ambassadors, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. Uh, let's, let's read that again. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we say, come back to God. The impact of that statement should be huge in your life. It should change everything about how you communicate person to person, to those inside the church, to those outside the church, to what you post on your social media accounts, to the pictures that you take, the things that you participate in, the things that you bring into your life, every bit of it you should understand there is a necessity, a necessity that you understand that you are an ambassador of Christ. (laughs) How many of you say, I don't want that pressure? I don't want my actions to be under the microscope. But do you know that the things that you do, the things that you say, the things that you choose to post, the things that you choose to laugh at, the things that you choose to engage in, they are a message to others about the Christ that you say you follow. And I'll be honest, some of you need to clean up your social media. Some of you need to rethink the way that you type language from your computer. It's not like it just slipped out. We need to be thoughtful. We need to be thoughtful when we congregate together and we begin to gossip. And we talk about someone else in a bad light. Or we complain about something that we could have never made a decision on in the first place. Because we're not even in that position. We are Christ's ambassadors. If someone were to look at your email, your social media, the content of your conversation, the text that you send, what would they say that you represent? Would they say you represent the very things of God? Or you represent a selfish person that desires to make themselves big by making others feel small? Oh. You're like, I think you need to stop your sermon, right? Because that is hard. 
These are the things that we struggle in the most. Because what's on the inside sometimes spills out to the outside. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We speak for Christ when we say, come back. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. It's not about us anyway. It's about understanding the right way to focus and the right things to be focused on. So who do you represent? Do you represent yourself or do you represent your Savior? Whose approval matters most? Again, what should our answer be? Jesus. It should be that we are living for the approval, the acceptance because of who we are. The approval of God should matter most. That we would forsake everything else in our desire to, pre to please him to be obedient to him. But here's the problem. When we make choices, most often the choices we make are for the approval of other people. We shouldn't care. We really shouldn't care about what others think. We really shouldn't care about what they, what they think. We shouldn't play to a crowd. We shouldn't, we shouldn't do things just because everyone else is doing them. I mean, think about all the things that your parents told you when you were little. You know, if, they, if your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? And you're like, well, it depends on if there's water down there. <laughs> you know? We find ourselves replaying these things when our parents said, don't worry, they said sticks and stones, and you said, yeah, they still hurt, right? We try to fit in. We laugh at things we shouldn't. We cheer people on, on doing things they shouldn't do. We treat, keep trying to shine a little bit of the light on us, to put us in the center, because if we don't, we feel like someone will miss us. Worse yet, we feel like we won't even be known. Because we want others to like us. We want to be accepted. We want people to admire us. You want to, for just one person to, without you prompting you, say, or without you prompting them to say, good job. Proud of you. Instead of living for the approval of God, we live for the approval of people. Because we crave to be known. We crave to be accepted. We want to be broadly liked. Now, psychologists say that the desire that somebody has to be famous, the, their desire to be, uh, to be widely known, broadly known, to be famous is rooted in injury and neglect. You're like, you don't know me. <laughs> it's rooted because our soul has a longing to be noticed. At some point, you felt insignificant, possibly. Maybe you had some hard-to-please parents. It didn't matter what you did. You just never seemed to get their approval. Maybe you were rejected by your peers. Maybe you were just kind of on the outside all through school. You felt overlooked, and you just want someone 
to know you. We desire to be known, to be noticed. And all of this comes from the wrong place. It comes from the wrong place if we find our approval in other people. We ask questions like, do you like me? Will you validate me? Will you just say that I'm okay? Will you recognize me? Will you accept me? And we crave it. We need it. These are those small places where we may not be wanting to be a movie star, but we want someone to know. And it's an endless chase. For every one good you get, you get a bad. Oh, I need more good then. So what do we do? We overcommit. We say yes when we should say no. We are overly sensitive. We take rejection so hard, criticism so hard. We fear it because we, we assume that it does something about our identity. We point the light on our service. We point the light on our giving. We point the light on our sacrifice. And Paul says, this is not what you should be doing. He points us to our purpose in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. What's the good news? That Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And he rose on the third day, defeating death with the promise that you will join him with the Heavenly Father in all eternity because of his sacrifice for you. Paul says our purpose is not, our purpose is to please God, not people. Some of us need to write that down. Our purpose is to please God, not people, for he alone examines the motives of our heart. Paul said to these folks, he said, as for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Who are you representing? And whose approval matters most? So the mantra of our lives should be less of me, more of Jesus. Less of me, more of Jesus. Less attention for me, more glory to him. Less about follow me, more about follow him. Less about getting my way and more about doing his way. He must increase in me so that others not follow me, but that they'll follow him. See, we're not called to be famous. We are called to be faithful. God will not say at the end, well done, my good and faithful social media star. He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Our motives matter. May never be famous may never be known beyond our little community of our close family and friends, but it doesn't matter. Our approval has to come from God, not from others. When we're not striving to become celebrities, if we just, if we just say, you know what, I'm giving up all of these pursuits about those things that I think make me known and say it matters more that I'm known by the God who created everything. You know what the scriptures say? The scriptures say that he knows your name. And beyond that, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the day that you were formed. He knows the days that you have never lived yet. Because he knows 
your name. And you live for his purpose. Not for the applause of the crowd. Not for the applause of others. But instead, you live for the approval of God. Less of me, more of Jesus. Less of me in every post. Less of me in every conversation, every business meeting, every committee meeting, every financial decision. Less of me in service to others. David said, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness, less of me, more of him. Less of me and more of him. What's your motive? May we pursue less of ourselves, less applause, less credit, less things that we feel that we are due, all for the sake of being those that proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Less of me, more gospel. Would you pray with me?